Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of It Ain't Week to Speak. My name is Sam Webb and I'm here to share some of the most epic conversations I get to have with some of the most fascinating people on our planet. Every episode is dedicated to elevating the conversation around mental health because it ain't weak to speak. I'm a massive believer that a conversation could change and save a life for the better. Thank you for joining me on this journey. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. It ain't weak to speak. My name is Sam Webb, and God, it's good to have you back here. New year, new all of us, I hope. 2023, this is the first episode dropping this year. God, it's good to have all of you back here with me. I'm so grateful for your support. Seriously, every week, every other week that you join the podcast, it's so good to have you here with us. I hope that you come here to learn. I hope that you you come here with an open mind and it goes without saying. Literally, pat yourself on the back for taking the time out to look for self-improvement, for taking this time and investing it in your life so that you can live better. And that's my promise to you. Well, on that note, I hope that you were able to live well over the Christmas break, over the vacation holiday period. Whatever you got up to, I hope that you're safe. I hope that you're doing well mentally and physically. If there is anything that we can ever help you with or point you in the right direction, don't ever hesitate to reach out to myself through my direct channels on Instagram or TikTok, Facebook, or reach out to Livin. We'll help point you in the right direction wherever we can. And I want to say thank you seriously for being here with me again. And I'm looking forward to this year because it's a year of transitions. It's a year of great change. And there's no better time than the present to make good positive changes in your life. And I hope that we can do that by kicking off today with our brand new guest on the podcast. She is instrumental. Seriously, she's a women's health and wellness expert. She's written over nine books. Her latest book is basically called Where'd They Go? We talk about ghosting, you know, the subject of ghosting. When people just up and leave, there's no reasoning, there's no response, there's no feedback. We're going to talk about that today. What is ghosting? Why do people ghost? How you can cope with it, how you can manage it in your life, in personal relationships, romantic relationships, professional relationships. I also want to talk to her about health and the importance of healthy minds, healthy bodies. However, how that differs from person to person and what I classify as a healthy body might be very different than what you classify as a healthy body, but it doesn't necessarily mean that either of us is unhealthy. Same thing mentally. We all classify differently. It looks different. It feels different for each individual person, both physically and mentally. And I want to talk about that, how important that really is, because you can be in a very fit, sharp, shape looking body, but you might not be fit. You might have back pains, niggling injuries, same thing with your mental health. So I really want to talk about that. So much stuff we dive into on a deep level. 
could have spoken to her for hours. Here she is, straight onto the podcast here in LA. Big love, guys. Listen in. Episode number one, 2023, coming in hot. Welcome, Andy Lou. Well, I'm joined here on the podcast by a fellow Aussie living here in the beautiful Los Angeles, sunny day. Andy, how is it? And welcome. Sam, thank you for having me. Oh my gosh, we are so lucky to have moved from Sydney to sunny LA. What is it? November and 23 degrees Celsius today. It's mind boggling. So grateful. Like This weather just doesn't, it doesn't get old, does it? Never. And it's always blue skies and palm trees, my favorite. <laughs> well, anyway, I'm grateful to have you on here. I know how busy you are. You've just released your ninth book and we've got plenty to chat about. Obviously, I come by your Instagram portfolio and all the great work that you're doing in the wellness and health landscape and obviously digging a little bit deeper and knowing the impact that you're having on, I guess, a lot of people in all walks of life. I really wanted to start today by saying thank you for all the great work that you're doing in this field. I think that it's obviously extremely important, but very needed. I know that a big part of your conversation is around like, you know, what does health look like? Everyone's very different. Everybody's body is very different. And how can we, we understand that on a deeper level? But before we even talk about that, congratulations, ninth book. (laughs) You've just released your ninth book. See, this is why you do what you do, Sam. You make people feel so good too. You know, starting off this conversation with gratitude and congratulations and it's always a great place to begin. And I do appreciate you back. So I just wanted to say thank you for the work that you've done. Similarly, I've been following your journey and it's just beautiful to see because what we are here to do is love, serve, nurture and help others feel more connected to themselves. And yeah, I just can't stop writing. <laughs> so <laughs> I do that. I've got nine books. You nine know, the eight- books? Yeah. Where do you yeah. get the time from? Oh, mate, every time I release one, I say to myself, I'm never doing this again because it's like birthing. It's a labour of love, except you don't get the cute thing at the end. You (laughs) just get the press tour. But no, seriously, but the press tour, you know, is beautiful because you get to connect with people when, you know, I've been on all the television shows here in LA and across Chicago and San Francisco and, you know, Tampa and Florida. And I've done the press tour with the ninth book. So the eighth one was the Holistic Health Guide, which is my probably favourite work, it's called Connected, A Paradigm Shift in How We View Health and you're all about mindset and mindfulness. So that was key to me in educating people. As you said, you know, a healthy body looks different on every person. But what I found really pressing today was lack of ability to communicate effectively and our ghosting culture. So this ninth book is called Where'd They Go? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's a bloody great catch title anyway, and I'm sure people have probably picked it up and like, what? Hang on, this conversation and, you know, as I've dug a little deeper and seen some of the releases you've done and conversations you've had with people here in America about the book and promoting it and whatnot, it's a conversation you don't even hear anyone talk about. We talk about the word ghosting, but Andy, what does that actually mean? Like, can you just explain to your average lay person that may not know, what does the term ghosting actually mean? Well, it's interesting because the more I talk about it, the more I realise so many people have either ghosted themselves or had known someone who has or had someone ghost them. But for those who don't, it's where somebody just never replies, your text messages, phone calls, emails, nothing. They just disappear like a ghost, vanish into thin air. Where do they go? We'll never know. Did they die? You know, and on that note, a lot of readers have said, 
you know, it does feel a little bit like death or maybe worse because at least when somebody passes, you get to grieve because you know they're gone and you understand psychologically that process that you have to go through in order to grieve that person and make peace with it. And then this is the whole dealing with disappearance is so important because you don't know if they have died. Literally, you don't understand why they haven't replied to you. And in the same sentence, sometimes ghosting is good because some people are being very unsafe online and disrespected. So I think we're having more and more interactions in the world because of our online culture. And there's a little bit of a how you do anything is how you do everything going on. The more we behave online with swipe, block, delete, unfriend, report, all of these behavioural patterns, the more it's sort of mimicking our real life existence as well. And we're starting to behave that way with people, you know, just in our everyday existence, which isn't necessarily healthy, but there's a chapter in there called Who's to Blame? And we do look at the system to blame rather than the person. Thank you for explaining that. It sets the tone really well here for everyone, because I'm sure everyone who's listening right now, myself included, I'm sitting here listening going, yeah, I get it. I've been in that situation before on both sides of being ghosted or I've done the ghosting. So talk to me through this. Like, we talk about where they go. You say that maybe it's kind of like someone's died. Maybe sometimes it's worse because you don't have any answers. It's just kind of like they've disappeared into thin air, kind of like a magic trick. But like, <laughs> what, is there an effective way to ghost someone? Well, you know, you call it a magic trick. It's ghosting because it's Casper. Like Casper's supposed to be friendly and literally there's no transparency and yet everything is, yeah, seen through in that person's character. In one action, they've shown you that they can't have a sweaty palmed conversation. And that's okay. That's why I've written the book to help people understand how to do that, how to be able to help that person feel. I always say, leave a person better than you found them in any interaction. Because it's happening not just in the dating world, it's happening in business and friendships too. And you know, it's really one of those things where right now in this culture, there isn't really an easy way to ghost someone. If somebody's being, you know, really rude or you're feeling unsafe online and you haven't even met the person or you have met the person, it is sometimes very important to give that person permission to go, you know what, I just need to never speak to you again. It's more about those people that don't get the closure that's giving them a psychological ramification. But why? Like, talk to me about this. Why are people not giving them a psychological reason or a reason? Why do you think, in your mind, your heart of heart, why yeah. do you think people are ghosting people? Like, why are they scared to say, I'm not interested in this relationship or I don't want to talk to you again? Do you think they don't like confrontation? Do you think it's because, like, what is it? Like, what's the root cause of ghosting someone? There has to be a reason there for it. There's so many different reasons. So let's go through some of them, Sam. Sometimes I've found in my interactions with others online, perhaps even in dating apps, people and others have reported to me, people lie about their profile. So they're not catfishing. They're not necessarily a fake person. They're a real person with a fake life that they're selling you. So a lot of it is the job that they're doing is a lie. Their age is a lie. I remember matching someone on a dating app and you know, he told me a certain age. And then when I saw him on, believe it or not, a few weeks later on a dating show, I think it was called My First Date or something like that. Yeah, he was like, I don't know, 25. And that's fine. But like, he was not obviously able to continue that lie and that interaction with me. And, you know, I say goodbye to ageism. I think, you know, whether it comes to sex, colour, preference, like whatever it is, it also needs to be done with the age gap love thing. 
But in having said that, yeah, people will ghost because they can't continue with the lie. You know, in this case, it was age or the job that they're holding down. Then another reason somebody might ghost is like what you said, Sam, you know, they're just feeling too uncomfortable in this confrontation. They find it confronting. And usually that's because the other person that they're having the interaction with is giving us signs that they're going to be a really hard person to talk to. And this is where I say in the book, whatever you do, do it with humour because we all need to lighten up. And the subtitle of the book, Where They Go, is called Bringing Light to Ghosting Culture. And it is a little bit of a pun because Dave Hughes, the comedian, wrote the foreword and him and I chatted about, you know, why do we even have to get back to people? Like, is it really ghosting? Maybe we just know that we're going to see them online next week, next month anyway. And we've become a little bit impatient, expecting everything yesterday. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, and then there's also a little bit of that. Remember I said in the chapter, like, who's to blame? Is it the system to blame? Is it society? We're just being a little bit programmed and conditioned to go, well, I'm going to just chat to you in LinkedIn or Instagram or Facebook. I'll see what you're up to there. I don't need to get back to you, do I? You know, and they feel like they're getting back to you in another way. In terms of people having like had a relationship or something and then them just going, I think usually that happens because the other person hasn't seen the yellow and orange flags. So that's on us. Usually the person's given you the hint that they're not quite interested in that reaction and you just haven't picked up on the signs and then all of a sudden where'd they go? Yeah, okay. I get that. And, you know, that kind of back in the day, like obviously when I was single and stuff, I've done ghosting and I'll take full responsibility for it. But for me, it was kind of like in that situation, maybe not interested, not sure what to say, how to let them down, feeling like I didn't want to let them down. So I think the best thing for me was just to run away. And I've been ghosted too. And I know exactly how it feels for me anyway. But that being said, like, is there an effective way to ghost someone? And if there isn't, I know sure as hell it definitely has an impact on your confidence and potentially your mental health if not done correctly and not that it can be done correctly, I'm not sure, but I still feel like when you go someone, I feel like it can have a real impact on your confidence and mental health. On that, And that's why we're having this chat, Sam, because you're all about that and it's so important to give people strategy, you know, on closure and dealing with disappearance. There's 50 ways to deal with disappearance in the back of my book, but the best way to really have closure is to have it within yourself. So I talk about like how to get closure without having to get it from the other person because sometimes you just won't and that's their journey and that's okay. And it actually just teaches you more about yourself in that interaction anyway if you go and do the deep work. The other way you can get closure is by actually texting that person and usually it's the ego that will do it, not really the soul because the soul knows it's better for you both to just move on. But the ego wants to still reply in a text and I, you know, I suggest different ways to do that with humour, as we said, like send a Casper emoji and say, you know, the ghost emoji and say, I thought Casper was supposed to be friendly or this is boo sheet and, yeah, like, yeah. write it like boo and then sheet, you know, and then or, you know, thanks for my 30-day money-back guarantee, you know, and just break open the conversation with humour. Then that light, gives yeah. you... Yeah, that person just replies and goes, ah, ah, yeah, I'm still around or sorry for my disappearance or and they're just, you're calling it out and now you're making it a safe space for them to come through with some sort of truth. And I think that's what it's all about, isn't it? Really creating that safe space and that's what I always talk about in the work that I do. I mean, we can talk as much as we want and tell people what we feel and all that sort of stuff, but it really starts with ourselves. I think if we become the safest person that we can, that we know about, 
it's going to give other people that permission to open up and kind of reply and maybe it's better off for them as well. Maybe they might open up too on a deeper level, you know? So no, I love I'm, that. I'm, I'm glad that you're doing that work and I think it's important to have these conversations because there's no doubt people listening to them are like, yeah, okay, I've had someone ghost me about last week and I'm not sure. Like there's a hundred different reasons probably plus as to why someone might have ghosted you. But how can you, if I'm the person, run me through this little bit of an example here. You've ghosted me. As someone that's on the other end of the ghosting, how can I feel confident in myself that maybe it's not a personal vendetta, maybe it's not something personal about me or who I am or the skin that I'm in or the body shape? Or like, is there a way to positively deal with that from a relationship point of view or even a professional point of view in work? Yeah, the first thing to remember, it's never anything about you. It's always on them. Unless, of course, you can look back and reflect upon that interaction and say, were there some yellow and orange flags that I wasn't picking up on? Where could I have read the signs a little bit more? But the answer to that really is in how we began this interview, and that's with gratitude. Always having gratitude for the interaction that you've had with anyone and what that has taught you. Because what it can do on somebody's self-esteem is they're like, oh, gosh, here we go. It feels like a failure. Yeah, yeah. It feels right. And then they're like, well, I'm never going in the dating pool again. And then they're scared. They're hurt. They feel like their walls are back up. But, you know, and, you know, as someone who's been a dancer, then an actor, then a presenter my whole life, I've gone through auditions, I've got thick skin, you know, you don't care. It's rejection is redirection. This is what you need to always remember. And that's one of the chapter titles in my book, that rejection is redirection. It's a great thing. So have gratitude for the interaction that you've had with each other and go, what has that taught me from this? How have I grown from it? And what are the lessons learned so that I can be better in the future, whether that means picking up on signs quicker, you know, they may have love bombed you. That's a whole other topic where you're just giving somebody too much too soon in the beginning of a relationship. That's usually a yellow flag. Like a stage five clinger. (laughs) It's usually when people do that, they're all and then they're nothing. So it's got to be a healthy, you know, transition and interaction. But yeah, every single, for people who hold back from entering a relationship or going on the dating shelf again, I think there's danger in that too because then you never grow, you never live, you never learn. And living is learning, as you know, pardon the pun. But, (laughs) yeah, so you have to kind of just allow yourself to have those life experiences and be grateful for whatever the lessons are. Yeah, and I feel like, and I want to pay respect to the actual immediate moment when you are feeling like your confidence has taken a hit or your self-esteem's kind of weakened or you don't feel great about yourself. And I think as a human being and someone that's been on both ends, I think it's okay to give yourself permission to feel like you've kind of something's wrong or sit in your emotions and be sad. I mean, it's not always rainbows and butterflies, so to speak. I think there are moments where you have to sit there and be okay with feeling a certain way. But like you said, it's kind of like redefining your relationship with you know failure or rejection and how you can find the silver lining so to speak in all of those situations i talk about this when i do my keynotes i mean it's easy to sit here and say yeah there's always something positive in every shitty negative situation and you know as hard as it is and as much work as it takes there really is but in the very immediate moment you don't see that you know right. i got told that prior to going through my bad experiences in life many many years ago and people were like just try and look positively, change the way you live your life. And I really couldn't see or 
understand what the hell they were looking at. Like it was like my rose-colored glasses. I never got given them at birth. And to understand that it does take work sometimes to step back, look at the situation objectively, understand that your situation's unique, and maybe taking yourself less serious in that regard and maybe maybe writing things down write yourself a letter if you can't give yourself or someone else closure give yourself closure i think is just as important at the end of the day reflection is a really beautiful thing for anyone to practice and you know for a man to do it it's even more attractive because he's always been told not to have emotions and things like that so reflecting and writing things down is a great way to have closure and i think at the end of the day it's a skill so seeing both sides of the coin is quantum physics really because it's about creating balance. So if I were to put it in wellness terms, what you're doing is you're balancing your perception about what is really going on because the only true science really is quantum physics, which is an equal and opposite energy of both. So there is the good and the bad, the black and the white, the day and the night, the kind and the mean, you know, all of these things exist together. So when you're in it, as you say, it feels like you can't, but the more you exercise that muscle in finding that you can find the light and the gifts within the darkness, then that skill gets exercised and it becomes easier and easier. So I'm not saying that you shouldn't feel the pain, but maybe also look for the gifts at the same time, feel that whole spectrum of emotion. And I do talk about perception at, it's my last chapter in that health book that I was telling you about, Connected, a paradigm shift in how we view health. So perception is key to any sort of healthy existence. Mm. Very powerful stuff. The work that you're doing, Andy's, you know, it's incredible. And I think you should really sit there and realize that the impact that you're probably having on more people than you actually know or think is really cool. So keep doing Thanks, the great sir. work that you're doing. And I mean, we talk about mental health and mental health goes hand in hand with everything in life. I'm a massive advocate, even outside the work that I do with living that, you know, mental health is, you know, we sit here and talk about physical survival, right? As human beings, physical survival is maybe the most important need but next to that i believe is psychological survival and i think we need to give people psychological air so that they can feel comfortable to open up and have conversations with people in different settings and different ways of life and all that great stuff so from a mental health component and the work that you're doing and wellness and all that what's your advice to someone that might be listening to this episode now that might be down in the dumps and their confidence is lacking and they've been ghosted and they don't know where to they don't know really where to go from here yeah, and everybody's answer for that is going to be so unique because as a certified food lifestyle and wellness coach, when I coach people, I ask them what they feel is missing in their life and what they think, you know, would make them feel more well. And we go through a series of like what that looked like before for them and waving a magic wand and what that might look like for them in the future, starting to visualise all of those things are very powerful. And when that person figures that out for themselves and I've ignited something in them, that's when they actually are more moved to follow through with the advice or the action because they thought of it themselves. Because as cliche as it sounds, we know the answers. So as a coach, I like to guide that person, you know, with all of my writing, I very rarely, well, I don't prescribe diets because I'm not prescriptive in my training and nutrition, but I also make sure that the person is very in touch and in tune. I make suggestions though. Sometimes what I believe more now is that just talking through it isn't enough. I feel like we need to do some kind of body work at the same time. And by that, I mean, 
energy needs to move. So whether we have adrenaline, anger, like whatever it is, it's energy and it needs to move. So walking and talking is great. You know, doing martial arts, dancing, surfing, yoga, whatever it is, moving and thinking through and talking through at the same time, going hand in hand with that is so powerful. So too is any body work like kinesiology where you're actually talking through and muscle testing, but then physiologically removing the blockages that are stored within the body at the same time. So too is NET chiropractic, which is very similar. So neuro-emotional technique chiropractic. And when I was in Sydney and even in Melbourne, I knew a lot of people and I saw a lot of people for my own health and healing journey that helped me to remove some stored emotional blockages. And I did the deep work for many years. So I have quite a few people that I could refer people to. And I've started to find a network of those sorts of healers here in Los Angeles too at the same time. But I'm finding that that's what people are gravitating towards now. It's giving them more, you know, wellness on a holistic level because everything is connected. There's so much information out there right now and there's so many ways you can digest it and learn and grow and become a better version of yourself. But like you said, I mean, it does take time and It's taken a a lot of time for me personally to work on myself and I still work on myself all the time to be a better version, to be better every day. I don't think anyone's obviously perfect, but I feel like we're all so unique and we've got to embrace that about us. Yeah, you know, when this thing happened for you, how long do you feel like it took you for you to get your head above water? Yeah, it took quite a while. It definitely Years? um, Yeah, definitely. Years. To and froing though, like there were some great moments in between those years and then before I knew it, I was I slid back down. I like to call it the rabbit hole. I slid back down the rabbit hole and I thought that I was stronger than I really was. And it turned out that some of my coping mechanisms and strategies and the things that I used to enjoy weren't working for me anymore. So it was about being in the rabbit hole to understand the things that I needed in that moment of time to figure out what it was that Sam needed and Sam wanted and that really made me happy and that took a lot of time like you got to ask hard-hitting questions to yourself about yourself you got to ask and you know I've got many things that I do in my life you know of stripping back strategies on you know detoxing friends or people that don't serve me anymore in my life changing the people and the times that I wake up of a morning or I never used to be a morning person I tried to become a morning person I am a morning person I love it It changed my life. So I feel like everyone's very different. It does take time. Some people might get it quicker. Some people might get it a lot longer, but I feel like it's always worth it though. And it far out, it feels hard, you know, like it definitely feels hard and it's almost impossible, but nothing is impossible. And yeah, you just got to stick at it. Like you said, when you keep training that muscle and you keep working and you keep knocking down different doors, different ways, if one way doesn't work, try a different way, you become better at it and things become easier. The other thing too is, you know, not only does healing take time, but healing is experiential. So sometimes we need life to drop in and allow us to have other life experiences and then we can see ourselves where we grew, where we handled that differently. And I always look back to the person's like, what was going on for them as well that made them have that little setback. I've actually just recovered from PTSD myself. It took me about three or four years from a traumatic event that really triggered me. And, you know, If there is a setback, it is because on a holistic level, I'm not giving my body the right environment. So I talk about this again in, you know, my health teaching and this book, but, you know, sometimes we know, you know, what is the gut doing? Because nutrition is information. 
you know, it's information to our DNA. So what is it that we're ingesting, injecting and all of those toxins, you know, and being very mindful about the information we're feeding our body because sometimes no matter how hard we try and be positive, if there's, you know, a physiological blockage with chiropractic, that's why I love chiropractic, literally physically removing the nervous system interference by realigning the spine and allowing clearer communication from brain to body because if you try and be positive, if there's a physical blockage there, it's just impossible. There's distorted signals. And then so too with the second brain, not just the brain and spinal cord and the nerves that branch off that, the nervous system, but then that's all connected to the digestive system, the microbiome and what we're feeding that. So if you have a look at some of the works of, say, Bruce Lipton, PhD scientist, you know, he talks about the biology of belief and he talks about epigenetics and changing signal from brain to body. Again, I write about this in my book. I sat next to Bruce at a seminar in the New Zealand College of Chiropractic where we were both asked to be speakers. He was this incredible man and now he's doing incredible things at a very timely, you know, moment that we're in right now. But changing signal from brain to body through chiropractic, 
Sam, I'm just smiling at how good you are at this job. Like, it was such a perfect segue yeah, into so like transitioning because <laughs> we knew that we wanted to talk about this. Because one of my favorite sayings is a healthy body looks different on every person. You could be fit and lean, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're well. And like, I'm talking on a holistic level, you know, are you fertile? Are you mentally well? All of those other things. So, yeah, so it's really important to cut ourselves some slack. You know, in this crazy world that we live in, what is the life that we're experiencing and, and enjoying all of those moments, that journey? It's not like we're going to reach an end point and go, wow, I'm happy. Wow, I'm at my best, like, wait. And like, no, you know, because at any one point, like with what life showed me, I ended up with PTSD. And even though I don't like labels, it was a really important diagnosis for me to have because it gave me permission to go back and rest and heal and do all of those things that I needed to do to really evolve and, you know, take myself to the next level. But in that moment that I was healing emotionally, my physical was taking a back seat. You know, I was in fetal position for maybe six to 12 months for the majority of, yeah, it was really bad, Sam. And, you know, my hip flexors were always tight. My stomach muscles, my abs were just gone instantly. My glutes weren't firing anymore. And I was literally just in fight or flight all the time. So I kept saying to myself, but it was okay. Mm. Like I didn't look great. And, but my mental health was really picking up some pace and I was starting to understand. And I was like, right, this is a lesson. And if I can overcome this, as you say, you know, it's really hard. But if I can do this, then I've, you know, really, and I remember kind of being on my knees, like literally, and I had my friend sort of hug me over. She was on the carpet next to me with her hand sort of over my back. And when I felt that support, because not all of us have support, so it's really important for us to find it, know where to get it or how to give it to ourselves. But, you know, we live in a community where we do have support everywhere and this is why, you know, you're doing the work that you do and we're so lucky, whether it's in Australia or America, that we have organisations that we can call upon, Right. But when I felt that immediate support because the power of human connection is so great, something dropped in and I literally, my body, my physiology just changed and it went up. And I tell you this story because I know from my teachings with chiropractic that you can't have depressed people walking around with brilliant posture. Nobody's looking up. They're all in fight or flight like a boxer's posture. There's less blood in the brain and it's all in the extremities ready to pounce, like to wrestle the lion to the ground or in that flight or flight primal response, right? So my physiology changed and I literally had this message from whether you call it above, I don't know, I call it the Grand Organised Design, which is an acronym for God, but whatever you want to call it, I had this universal intelligence speak to my innate intelligence and say, if you can learn this lesson, then you will have everything you want. And I say that in a way that it is not selfish because all I've ever wanted is to actually help others have a more beautiful existence a healthier life naturally. So here I am now in LA doing this, reaching more people and feeling so grateful that you've given me the platform to even reach a wider audience, Sam, because as you said, you want to show people what's possible. It is possible. We know it's hard. We're here for you, but we're giving people hope to understand that it is possible. Mm. So it's, yeah, it's beautiful. And then very well said. And I think the whole, I really like your take and yeah, it's a great perspective to look at when health looks different on everyone. I get that. So we're talking about mental health then. Mental health would look different on everyone. 
Mm. You'd agree with that, yeah? Yeah, give me an example of somebody, you know, that springs to mind that you've known or even just yourself. Yeah, myself. Let's use myself. Someone that's, yeah, my mental health is when it's great, you know, my perspective on things is the first time I'd look at a negative situation would be positive and straight away I'd be looking for the silver lining. I'd be up early in the morning. I'd be in a good routine. I'd be getting my work done. I'd be feeling very positive about myself. I'm naturally energized. So my energy would be utilized in the right areas and I'd be accountable to myself. I'd be able to take downtime. And then on the flip side, if my mental health takes a dive, I, you know, first thing I look at if something's not doing great is I kind of look at, oh, it's a negative, you know, and it's not a positive. And my energy levels aren't probably as strong as they were. And if they are as good as they were, they're probably being used in different areas. They're not really sustainable, if that makes sense. I'm looking for coping mechanisms that make me feel not so much numb, but just kind of like, oh, just getting through this moment. I've just got to get through this next moment. I'm probably not showing up for myself of a day, all those sort of things. You know, that speaks to me volumes about, I guess, the pressure that we all put on ourselves to really bring our A game every single day. You know, when we perceive something as not being as great as we know it could be. And I feel like we need to, as I said before, really cut ourselves some slack in those moments of healing. And you called it downtime. We're not being down. We're just having downtime. And so really just to be so kind to ourselves. I remember when I was breastfeeding for the first time, obviously, as a new mum, it was such a difficult thing. And I eventually surrendered to sleeping with the baby in a C-shape sort of under my arm. We're the only mammals that don't. But when a woman does that as they're nursing, the both mother and baby release a hormone called CCK, cholecystokinin, and it puts both mother and baby into a deeper sleep so that they can cope with the day, right? But in our Western world, we're like, no, we have to sit up, then we have to put the baby down, then we have to walk away and do more work and more chores. But when I finally surrendered to that, because you know, what if somebody said to me, you know, just fall asleep with the baby. And then my fear was, well, what if I still don't fall asleep? That was always there. And they were like, well, if all you're doing is focusing on your breathing and you're just meditating and being, then that's an achievement in itself. And so, of course, when you surrender to that notion, that's when you do fall asleep. Because I want to bring that to an awareness, it's like it's a new epidemic right now, sleep, you know, with the use of technology, robbing the melatonin from our brains with the blue light. We already know that's sleep hormones being, you know, diminished. We need to restore melatonin by, as you said, waking up early in the morning, that light that comes into our rooms and our eyes, it gives us a healthy adrenaline. Sometimes the stress hormone is good in instances like that, because it makes us bound out of bed and go and enjoy the day. And we're supposed to synchronize with the lunar cycle. This is healthy for our circadian rhythm, but we've invented electricity and lights and technology and everything. And this is why we're also unwell. So whether it's a new mother or just somebody who's dealing with depression or depressive thoughts, the first thing I'll say is try and synchronize with the lunar cycle, even just maybe three nights a week and see what happens. You don't have to do it every day because I get it. We want to be social. We want to see movies. We want to go out. We want to be up at night. And that's fine. But just try it for maybe two, three nights a week and see how your mental health changes. What's that look like though of a night when you talk about the lunar cycle at night? What are you talking about there? So the lunar means moon and we synchronize with the earth. We're very connected. Just like when women have their menstrual cycles, if they hang out together, their menstrual cycles start to 
synchronised. Everything is connected. We're all synchronised to all living things want to be the same. Just like when birds fly in a formation, they're all in this beautiful, like, you know, arrowhead. And, you know, when they turn, it's not like the one bird goes, mate, in 300 metres, we're all going to turn left, all right? And then they all turn. It's rhythm. It's innate intelligence, right? It's the same with a school of fish, you know. And so these are synchronicity examples. So when you say, what was your question again? Something about... If we're following the lunar cycle, give me an example. What time am I waking up and going to bed? Right. So you're waking up with the sunrise and you're going to bed with the sunset. And what you'll notice is that you actually, every time the sun does set, especially if you're out there looking at it or being with it or just having it come through the windows, you will start to feel drowsy. You'll get the nod off, right? Unless you've got something interfering with the system, whether it's drugs, medication or alcohol, your body will naturally start to feel like you're going to drop off. But what we normally do is then we wire ourselves again. Technology, lighting, all of that stuff. We put on the switch on the lights. But if you keep everything dim and you like candles and whether it's playing music or trying to read with the light of the candle or whatever, you'll just nod off. You'll have the most amazing sleep and then you will naturally, yes, you'll wake up at four in the morning or whatever it is. It's going to be a long sleep because you and I, it gets dark here at 5.45 (laughs) and it gets light at six. I, I can't sleep for 12 hours. Well, you know what? Don't do it then at six. Maybe do it at seven. I did it the other night at seven. I woke up at four, so I went to bed at seven. I woke up at four and I was like making up for all the lost sleep that I had and I felt bleeping amazing the next day. I got so much done. It's about the productivity with that instead of just half cruising half through life, like, you know, and your mental focus isn't there. That, you know, and as I said, do it once a week, do it twice a week. We do it when we're in love. You know, we want to just make love all night and fall asleep with that person and switch off and not even know what time of the day it is. So think about those moments of love, whether it's with a newborn or a lover, and you naturally do synchronise in a healthy way with the lunar cycle, and that's a really healthy way to be. But we do live in a modern world, and I get it, so we just have to kind of find the balance. Yeah, that's exactly the thing, you know. It's because things are so easy to grab your phone, the films, you know, the lights are around. I get it. You know, I'm the first person to admit waking up early, 6 a.m. at the moment changed my life. And like it would get earlier in the summer and stuff like that. But waking up, I classify that pretty early. So waking up early, always before 7 a.m. for me, I feel like my days are so much more positive and you sort of spring out of bed and you're kind of on the right foot already. So you start positive and I feel like my energy is definitely used in the right direction. However, on the flip side, when I am, you talked before about, you know, your body being slumped over like a boxer and you've got this fight or flight. I've experienced that. I still experience quite a lot of it, actually. Always being kind of like my body feels like there's been a switch and it's been turned on. It's not turning off until about nighttime. Like I sleep really well, but during the day, I feel like my fight or flight, like I'm ready to go at any minute of the day. And sometimes it's hard living like that. The way you've described what's going in your body is exactly how chiropractors describe how the nervous system functions, that it is like an electric switchboard, you know, and every single nerve that's coming out, it's either flicked on or flicked off. There's distortion. You've got nerves that go to every single cell, tissue and organ in the body. Through your nervous system, you perceive the world, adapt to stress and coordinate all bodily functions. And when that switch is flipped, 
you've got distorted signals going on and having a spine that's not working at its optimal and actually pressing on nerves physiologically, it can disrupt people's sleeps, moods, because it's how you perceive the world, it's through your nervous system and, you know, your bodily functions, your digestive system, because it's not just the nerves that are dictating unhealthy signals to the muscles, our organs are muscles too. So here's an example when I say a healthy body looks different on every person. I was teaching like two decades ago aerobics because that's how old I am. I'm going to be oh, 50 yeah. in July. No, you're not. Yeah, 50 oh, in July. Oh, my God. You look great. Oh, thank you. I love that reaction. Wow. 50. <laughs> thank you. So, I mean, what I teach works. But, you know, when I was in my early 20s and I was teaching like seven aerobics classes a week and I was really fit, I was actually 10 kilos heavier than what I am now. And I was really fit, but I wasn't well because my elimination process wasn't happening well. My digestive system was slowed down. And that's because I had a slight rotation of the pelvis and some other vertebral subluxations in the upper cervical area, so in the neck and stuff. So what was happening was I was in fight or flight too. Like I remember sitting in a car and I couldn't even like make the back of my head touch the back rest because my chin was always forward. Our ears need to actually be in line with our shoulders and that's a healthy spinal position, right? We've got a backward curve, like a banana curve at the back of our neck and it supports the weight of our skull and our brain. So when that's craning forward, you've literally got this distortion, this stretching like an elastic band of that spinal cord. So I'm telling you all of this in context because you could have the greatest food, the greatest thought processes, the greatest sleep synchronizing and everything. But if you're in fight or flight constantly, physiologically, that can also impact on the way you see the world and adapt. So yeah, so maybe go and see a wellness chiropractor that I could perhaps, you know, put you in touch with. I know lots of people everywhere because I make it my job to know, but it'll be interesting to see you change because I think you've done some boxing and things like that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah change your physiology and see how that physiology changes your chemistry and then in turn it changes your emotional status wow that's very interesting hey because i haven't really heard on that kind of take before but it's kind of you know the feeling though when your body's in fight or flight and it's stuck in it 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 can feel terrible like it's like you just your energy's not being utilized or pointed in the right areas, if that makes sense. Like, and that's why tech addiction is so upsetting for me. I can't stand to see babies being given technology in iPads. Their spines have no chance. They're craned over in their prams or whatever they're doing with these iPads and these phones. No, it's so dangerous let alone what it's doing for their neurological development. But their spinal posture is part of their neurological development. But us as adults do it too, teenagers. I can't stand it, Sam. It's I'm doing a lot of work everywhere with the Chiropractic Association, with the schools, all that sort of thing, because as soon as you're in that posture, as you're on the phone, craned over, your nerves in that mid-thoracic area, in that middle part of your back, are all being compromised, you know, to the lungs and the heart and everything. But when the diaphragm because the nerves are telling the muscles what to do, yeah? Muscles are a reactive tissue, not an active tissue, meaning they don't have a mind of their own. They're getting told what to do from the signals of the nerves. So if the nerves are being, you know, compromised as they're trying to send signals to those, to the heart to beat, to the diaphragm to work, all of a sudden the person can't breathe. It's all tight in that Mm, area. They think they've got anxiety. Yeah, yeah but it's because of the nerves that can't send proper signals to tell the diaphragm to contract and expand because it's a muscle too. Wow. So you're saying, and what I'm hearing you say is posture, the way the body's 
like the way you just simply walk and hold yourself doing it certain way versus doing it the wrong way can have a big impact on the way that you feel signals in your body, the way that you feel physiologically. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Yes, sir. It's your perception of the world around you. Your spine, your spine and your posture is the window to your health because it's our nervous system is the master controller. It's the conductor of the orchestra. That's why whoever designed us, God, Allah, Jesus, whatever you want to call it, knew that our spinal cord and our brain and the nerves that branch off that is the most important system in the entire body. Yes, we know. Yeah, because look at the way it was designed. There's hard bone encasing around it. It's the only system that is protected by this hard bone, the skull and the vertebrae. Yes, we've got the rib cage, but that protects a whole series, a whole bunch of organs. This is the only system that is being protected by hard casing. So whoever designed us is genius because it needs to be so protected. But then when it's not protected and babies, you know, are born with forceps and suction and their brains, you know, misshapen and everything, that's why it's so important to go and see, you know, a paediatric chiropractor right from the get-go because how we come into the world says everything about who we are. You know, if the twig is bent, so the tree grows. Yeah, well, and it, it's a big thing too in the way you see people just in real life. You know, people hunched over is a classic, it generally is. When we talk about body language, it can be a classic example of maybe someone that could be struggling if they're always hunched over. So, And I noticed that when you walk, and you've got a very good posture there, I mean, walking and having your shoulders and your head straight and shoulders up high and, and level and whatnot, you kind of feel better too, don't you? Like you're leading with confidence in a way. Instantly. And the reason for that is, and I've got some neurological exercises that I have in my book connected. The reason for that is when you restore the healthy curves of the spine and the nervous system, you're instantly sending healthier signals to the rest of the body. Just like when I was little and my brother, who was five years younger than me, so he would have been like a bit of a baby, maybe three and I was eight. And we would play with the hose pipe in the garden and he would be holding it. And then I would be at the other end and I would kink the hose pipe and like you know, pull it in half sort of thing, bend it in half rather. And then all of a sudden the water wasn't, it was just trickling. It was like, where'd the water go? Like, and he, as he'd be a three-year-old in his little nappy or whatever, and he'd turn around and realise that I'd stopped the water and he'd be like, ah, and then I'd let it go. And when you let it go, it was such a great game to play when you're a kid. (laughs) The water gushes, that's right, it gushes out. So think about chiropractic and your nervous system flow of communication. Think about chiropractic as that's what's happening. When you take the pressure off the nervous system by realigning the spine, the pelvis and the cranials, all of a sudden you have that flow of the just gushing out again and healing starts to occur. Perceptions of thought starts to change and we are in a beautiful world. But, you know, people are like, well, how do we live without chiropractic? Well, There are theories about Jesus who was a healer. Maybe when he put his hands on people, maybe that's what he was doing, chiropractic, who knows? Or maybe we just had less toxic stressors. We don't have the sedentary environment that we have today. You know, there's so much more being sedentary is an epidemic, you know, the way we sit, how we're training our spines. But it's not just the physiological impact with high heels and car accidents and birthing and sedentary lifestyles. It's also the emotional status that creates vertebral subluxation you know as soon as we're angry having an argument our shoulders rise up our heads go forward my theory is that our heads are forward as we're like yelling at our partner or whatever that it's because we feel like they can't hear us 
So we're trying to get closer to help them hear us. But if we sit in our breath and in our heart-centered space, take a deep breath and try and communicate from there, you know, often the more you whisper, the more someone leans in to listen. So when we're yelling, that's when we literally have less blood in our brains and it's more in our extremities ready to pounce. So emotional chemical stressors change our physiology as well. All of the toxins that our spine's trying to adapt to, you know, cigarette smoking, drugs, medication. So I'm a huge fan of like everything natural where possible. The next thing that I'm actually really excited about is removing all toxins from my body, including removing my toxic implants. I can't wait to do that. I'm sort of just only now speaking publicly about it. But just, yeah, it's the only thing that's sort of toxic in my life and it's ready to go. Wow. That's the next project in terms of like speaking as well. Like, is that a big part of your advocacy, like removing all toxins? And what do you... Yeah, I've always been about toxic free living. So it never made sense to anyone why that would happen. Again, like it's a personal journey that I will reveal why I even did it in the first place. And it was a psychological one, you know, but it's just so important for me to, and I had to do the deep work to overcome why I did it so that I can get ready to remove it as well. But now that I'm ready, I just can't wait. I've gone down the rabbit hole and spoken to a lot of breast implant illness survivors or warriors rather. It's just amazing. There's millions and millions of women around the world who are really angry and, you know, admittedly they just did it for aesthetic reasons too not even psychological but you know there's no judgment in that we all have our journey as to why we do things but you know there's a lot of shifts going on in the world right now how we do things how we view things and it's a beautiful time to be alive (laughs) we could talk for hours Andy. you are an unreal person to speak with I'm sitting here listening to you and you, I need to change the way my posture is. That's one thing. So I'm getting the chiropractor's details from you. But I want to say thank you, obviously, and clearly for coming on here on the podcast. You're a wealth of knowledge and wisdom. I would love to pick up another episode with you in the very near future and talk about your lived experience with trauma, which has essentially driven the person who you are today and the position that you find yourself in. And I can see it, I can feel it without actually being in the same room as you that you know, that story is very close for you. It's very meaningful and it shaped the way you are today. So kudos to you for all the work that you've been through to get to this place. And yeah, I can't wait to speak to you again. But as we wrap this up, where can people follow you and find you and support your journey? We are going to speak some more, Sam, because you're coming on my podcast tomorrow, which is called Well To Do. So everybody can check that out and see Sam being interviewed. I love to pick your brains. My podcast is called Well To Do from wherever you get your podcasts from. And of course, on my website, you can get all my books or in bookstores across Australia and Amazon as well worldwide, andylew.com, A-N-D-I-L-E-W.com. And yeah, just follow me on Instagram. I'm always there. I'll make sure to put all this great detail in the show notes so everyone can just go and click there. And as always, guys, Thanks for your time listening into another episode on the podcast. If you've loved what you've heard today and you want to support both Andy and myself, please like the podcast, please subscribe. It will help grow the podcast so that we can help more people around the world and that might be doing it tough. So thanks for your time, Andy. Appreciate your support. And obviously we appreciate all of you guys for listening to another episode of It Ain't Week to Speak. Big love. Take care. We'll speak soon. Thank you for listening in to another episode of It Ain't Week to Speak. Please subscribe to the show and help us climb the charts so that we can attract new listeners and change more lives. If you found something very useful in this episode, 
please share and spread the love to as many people as you can. Don't forget to leave a review or a comment so that we can grow this community together because a conversation can save a life. If you want to continue this chat, please join me on the podcast Facebook group at living.org. I can't wait to share the next episode with you. But in the meantime, we're going to the top. And remember, it ain't weak to speak. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.